Thank you for connecting to the Bethany Chapel Sermon Link. Our prayer is that you will find the following sermon helpful and inspiring for your spiritual journey. If you are a visitor to this resource, or if you've not attended our church, we would love to meet you in person. Our vision at Bethany Chapel is opening doors to God's truth and love. God bless you as you listen. Good morning, everyone. I'm wearing black this morning because my Vancouver Canucks never made the playoffs. Then I started cheering for Calgary. Go, Oilers, go. That's all I got to say. People say, if you're really a Calgarian, you wouldn't be cheering for the Oilers. Listen, I'm just so happy there's hockey. It's just exciting to watch. And um, I'll always cheer for the Canadian team every time. I'm hobbling a little bit this morning. Um, you know, years ago, I, I broke a couple of ribs. And, you know, when you, when you break a couple of ribs, you meet other people who have broken ribs because it's very painful. And, and they say, oh, yeah, I was uh, going down a double black diamond at Sunshine, and I lost control, and I broke a couple of ribs. Another guy in my church says, well, I was skiing in, or surfing in Hawaii, and I broke a couple of ribs. What did you do? I slipped in the driveway. You're not very exciting. So when I twisted my knee last week. They said, oh, were you playing tennis or what were you doing? I was talking on my cell phone and stepped off a curb. So like, like I'm hopeless. So I, if you see me kind of hobbling a little bit as I walk around, that's why. Listen, thanks for your prayers for Ukraine. And I know many of you have been supporting us in Samaritan's Purse and our work there. We have a DC-8 that flies over every week with supplies, uh, 38 tons of supplies. We have three hospital clinics over there taking supplies into the Far East, working with our partners in Poland, uh, doing a lot of work there. Thank you for your prayers. We brought our first plane load of refugees uh, three weeks ago to Toronto. Uh, so our DC-8 flies over with supplies. It's from the US, and then it brings refugees back into Toronto. So we brought uh, 28 refugees into Toronto, and we hope, we're hoping that the Canadian government will change the rules so we can bring in a plane load here to Calgary. But thank you so much for your prayers. My grandmother is from Lviv, and you know, I, I know many of us have roots there. I grew up on, on uh, progis and galamchi and halapchi and, and things like that, so, so it's very near and dear to my heart. But the Lord is doing some remarkable things. And it reminds me that in the midst of all these things, our God reigns. You know, Matthew 24, when it says, in the end times there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines in various places, but the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. Listen, I, I see these things happening. I see our country developing laws and rules, anti-conversion rules and things like that. And people say, woe is me that all these things are happening in the world and in our own country. And I say, the gospel will be preached. It doesn't matter what happens in our country. It doesn't matter what our prime minister decides or what our government decides. It doesn't matter what Putin is deciding over in Russia and the Ukraine. Our God will see that his gospel is preached. Thank you for saying amen, because that is true. The gospel of the kingdom, and I, I, there's a part of me in, that says, bring it on. There's another part of me that says, oh, for my grandchildren's sake, don't bring it on. 
But these are tough times. These are rough times. This morning I want to talk about a passage of scripture that we mostly talk about at Christmas. It's from Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 6. Uh, it's going to be on the board here. Uh, chapter 9, I'm sorry. And I, I just want to take you through it and, and encourage you. I'm going to call for you to make a response this morning. Not to come forward. I, I'm not going to do that to you. But please listen to this passage. You know, we're going to get to the end where it says, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, uh, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know that. We talk about it at Christmas time, but I want to talk about it this morning because when I read it in the context of the verses that you're going to see on the screen, I realize that there's so much there. And so many of us are hurting this morning. So many of us feel burdened by things that God never intended you to be burdened by. I always say to people, your job is the natural, God is the supernatural. Don't you try and help God with the sin that's in your life, as so many of us will try. Oh, we know that God forgave us his sin, our sin. Jesus hung on the cross and he died for our sin, but we still try and overcome it ourselves. Do you not think that if there's any other way for God to save us that he would not have found it? I always say to people, you know what, if, if you said to me, you know, and, and many of you know in this church, I, I was here in January, I shared how my wife passed away. You know, um, people say, well, you know, Sean, I'm not ready to die. If, would you die for me today? At two o'clock, I'm supposed to die. I'd say, you know what, especially because my wife is now in heaven, I'd die for you. I'm ready. But if you said, would you give one of your kids, would you give Larissa, Zachary, Brand, well, maybe Zach, because he drives me crazy. <laughs> but if you said, would you give one of you, we all got one, right, in our families. If you've got, if you've got three kids, one of them is going to keep you on your knees, more than the other ones. And I just say, you know what, I could never, ever, ever, ever give you one of my kids or one of my grandkids for you. But God so loved us that he gave his one and only son. Let's just go through these verses. The land of the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali once was disgraced, but the future will bring honor to this region from the Mediterranean eastward to the land on the other side of the Jordan and even to Galilee itself where the foreigners live. Are you disgraced this morning? Do you feel embarrassed? Have you done something? that you think is bringing dishonor to your family, dishonor to your name. Do you feel disgraced? Do you feel rejected? Can I just tell you this morning that God wants to bring honor to you. He doesn't want you to live in defeat. He doesn't want you to feel rejected. Some of you have gone through horrible relational issues. Maybe your spouse has left you. Maybe your family is so divided and you feel disgraced, you feel rejected this morning. I just say to you, God doesn't want that for your life. He wants to honor you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bring peace to your life. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. What does it say? Some of you are thinking about it in your minds. Not to harm you but to give you a hope, to give you a future. Did you catch that? Not to harm you. 
these things that happen in your life, the disgraces that you feel, the failures that you feel, God does not intend that for you. They're not here to harm you, but he has plans to give you a hope, and he has plans to give you a future. Do you want to receive that from him this morning? And this is where the foreigners live. Listen, I'm going to cut through this text really quickly. Where the foreigners live. Do you realize 3,000 years ago when Isaiah made that prophecy that God had you and me on our minds? He wasn't just talking about the, the nation of Israel. He's talking about us as Gentiles. Some of you might be Jewish this morning. Uh, well, praise God for that. Most of us here this morning, we're just Gentiles. And I want to tell you something. God had you on his mind 3,000 years ago. He had you on his mind when he created this, the heavens and the earth. He's got you on his mind this morning. And you say, well, that's for other people. That's not for me. No, that's for you this morning. If you feel like God cares for everyone else, but he doesn't really care about me, I tell you, cast out that thought. Because that does not come from our God in heaven. God had you on his mind on the other side of the Jordan where the foreigners live. We are those foreigners. And God had you on his mind. Verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now a light is shining upon them. You live in darkness this morning? Have you ever been in a place that's pitch black? I chaired the board of a hospital in Jordan for several years. And you know, I remember one night we had dinner and I had to walk back to where I was staying. It was pitch black. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. That is frightening. Do you feel like you're in darkness? Do you feel like there's, there, there's nothing in front of you? There's no hope? Uh, South Sudan, when I went there the first time, some of these stories I might have shared with you before. But you know, when I was in South Sudan, the very first time I went there, I saw three Southern Sudanese, Dinka people, who've been crucified. You know, it's one thing when you see it in a movie. When you see it in real life, that's darkness. Some of you are going through some really dark times this morning. And I just say, listen, God wants to give you light. Not just a little bit of light, but he says they lived in a land of shadows, but now a light is shining upon them. God wants to give you light to help you out of these times. If you feel like you're living in darkness, God wants to lift you out of that. When I was in Bosnia, in one little village in Bosnia, the Serbian soldiers had come in there. Do you know they crucified, sorry, they killed every child in that village under the age of two in cement mixers. Darkness. Absolute Darkness. And if you feel like your life is being lived in darkness right now, like there is no hope, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, I want to say to you this morning, God wants to restore you from that and bring you out of that. So if you're in the darkness this morning, at the very end of my message, when I ask you for a response, if you feel like you're in darkness this morning, when you see no light at the end of the tunnel, respond and say to God, you have brought great light to your people. God, this morning, I need great light brought into my life. Will you do that? The light is shining upon you. Not a light, the light. Jesus Christ is the light that is shining upon you this morning. Do you need that in your life? God wants to bring it to you. Verse three. You have given them great joy, Lord. You have made them happy. Oh, stop there. Great joy. When was the last time you felt great joy? 
I sure didn't when I watched McDavid score that goal the other night in overtime. I did not have great joy. I was not a happy camper. But he's Canadian, yes. But I want to tell you something. Some of you just feel very, very depressed. You feel sad. It's not what God intends. God says, I want to bring you great joy. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Do you feel abundant life this morning? Do you feel like God is saying to you, life, I want to just so bless your life that you're so overwhelmed with my goodness to you. You will turn from your wicked ways and honor me. Oh, listen, if you're sad this morning, if you've gone through some horrible things in your life, God wants to just say to you, listen, chill out. Do you wake up at two o'clock? Do you get that where you got so much on your mind, you wake up in the mor- you know, wake up at two o'clock in the morning and think, man, I need a snack. I don't know what it is, but you just say, I have got so much on my mind. Stop. God wants to make you happy. He wants to give you great joy. And some of you need to experience that today. You're just going through a time where there is just, it just seems so heavy in your life. God says, hey, for you, I want to bring you great joy. I want to make you happy. Oh, I'm going through such troubles, Lord. You don't have any idea. Yes, he has every idea of what you're going through. God wants to make you happy. They rejoice in what you have done as people rejoice when they harvest grain or when they divide captured wealth. And then this, verse four, for you have broken the yoke that burdened them and the rod that beat their shoulders. You know, some of you are carrying weight this morning you ought not to carry. God never intended for you to carry it. Is your heart heavy this morning? Are you carrying something that God doesn't intend you to feel or to carry? Do you feel beaten up? You feel like, you know, and, and I've noticed this. When you feel beaten up and you, you feel like everybody is attacking you, nothing anybody says to you seems to encourage you. It just seems to make it worse. Are you there this morning? That's not where God wants you to be. God wants to lift you up. He's broken that yoke that burdens you. And some of you haven't asked him to break it. Ask him today, God, break this yoke in my life. Some of you know what it is like to have habitual sin. I just can't stop doing something, Lord. Lust is a problem, God. I've tried to break it so many times, like Proverbs says, like a dog returning to its vomit, so I go back to my sin. Some of you can't stop lying. Some of you just have this hatred towards even some family members or something that maybe even happened in the church years ago that you just can't seem to get over. God says, I'm gonna break that burden. I'm gonna stop the beating that's coming upon your life. That's what God wants you to do. And in a minute, I'm gonna tell you how you find that. Well, it goes on. Here's the solution. It says, you have defeated the nation that oppressed and exploited your people just as you defeated the army of Midian long ago. The boots of the invading army and their blood-staining clothing will be destroyed by fire. And then this, it says, for unto us a 
A child is born, a son is given to us, a son is given to us, a son is given to me, a son is given to you. God gave his son to lift you out of the darkness, out of the hopelessness, out of the feeling of rejection, out of the feeling that I just can't overcome this morning, God. I've tried so hard and I just can't do it. Oh, you're exactly where God wants you. Because here's what he says that about this child. He will be our ruler. Know this, that God is going to be the king of all. Not just us that come to church and worship him. He is going to be the king of all. The, this whole chapter is entitled, this whole verses that I just referred to is the, the future king. Our king is coming. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah. And what's it going to be called? Wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. Do you know, I think I have that look. Uh, and I figured it out and I'm now playing upon it. When I go into Safeway and I walk around with my list, and it can even be a gas receipt, it just looks like a list. But I walk around Safeway and I have people come up and say, Can I help you find something? <laughs> I love it now. I was at Safeway months ago, just after Brenda passed away, and I'm not, you know, I'm not familiar with Safeway. Now, I am now. But you know something? Men design Safeway stores because you have gourmet crackers in one, session, one section and regular crackers in the other section. So I'm in the gourmet cracker row just looking for these red and white saltine crackers that you put in soup, you know, or you eat cheese with, and I can't find them. And all of a sudden, this one Safeway employee says, can I help you? I said, yes. I'm just trying to find regular crackers. Oh, that's aisle, that's in aisle eight. Oh, thank you. No, 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 let me help you. So he takes me over to aisle eight, and he says, what else you got on your list? He went through my entire list and helped me find everything. Do you know what I found out afterwards? He was the Western Canadian manager of Safeway. I'm not so lucky since. But here's my point. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have the vice president of Safeway Canada, every time you go shopping, help you with your shopping list? God says, I want to be a wonderful counselor to you. Every time you need it. You're struggling about a decision you need to make, about a job opportunity, about schooling, about a relationship. God says, today I want to be your wonderful counselor. You're going through dark periods of time. God says, hey, I'll walk with you. I'm just not a counselor. Mm. I'm a wonderful counselor. I'm the best you'll ever find. I will stand by you. I will walk by you. I will pick you up when you can't walk any longer. And I will be your wonderful counselor. And then he says, mighty God. Psalm 100. Know this, that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are the sheep, the sheep of his pasture. If you read that in the Hebrew, when you read it and it says, know this, that the Lord is God, it means he made the universe. Every star that you see, every meteor that flies through the sky, the moon in all its brightness, the beauty of this earth, God made it. He is a mighty God. At the same time, he is a wonderful, beautiful shepherd. 
We're just a sheep. He watches over you. Oh, sometimes he used that rod to smack us along a little bit. But most of the time, he uses that rod to defend us. Do you need to experience God in a mighty way? You know, um, it just occurred to me when I was uh, Operation Christmas Child, so many of you support that. I remember being in uh, southern Iran, all the Pashtun refugees who had come across into Iran from Afghanistan, all the little tukuls and huts that they had. We were going from hut to hut, passing out the shoeboxes, having to explain almost everything in the shoeboxes. I, I remember it so well because in one shoebox, there was this kind of a, this blue-colored truck like an like a ambulance or a fire truck or something, and the little boy pulled it out and he looked at it, and he's, I could see him trying to focus in on it, and his hand started to shake and he dropped it, and I realized I've seen this before. It's that a little child like this who's been in refugee camps in such desolation most of his life can't recognize that color, so they drop it. I don't know what the medical term for that is, but I've seen it before. We were in one little hut, we gave this, you know, the, the, the mother's all veiled so we really can't see much but her eyes and she had this little one and a half year old and thank you to those who packed baby boxes. We had a big baby box there and I took it in and we gave it to the mother and the little baby came up and she's going through all the little things in the shoe box and she pulls out this and pulls out that and I can see her starting to cry. And I thought, well, that's a pretty normal reaction for a mother who just gets a gift for their child, not expecting it at all from the other side of the world, from somebody in Calgary who sends a shoebox over there and gives it to, gives it to this family. And uh, then we realized something. This mother was only 14, maybe 15 years old. And she was crying because she was grateful. But she wanted a box. And I'm glad that we had teenage boxes so that we could give her one. Our God is a mighty God. How God could have planned that and orchestrated that. That's why I say when you pray over your boxes, pray over your shoebox. That the person who will get it, you know what, I, I used to take my kids shoebox shopping. Now I take my grandkids who have very expensive tastes. <laughs> who my kids don't seem to care about when grandpa takes them shoebox shopping. But I realize how important it is. I am all about grandparents, and this year we'll be launching an initiative in Samaritan's Purse called the Grandparent Challenge to say, listen, sometimes our kids get so busy. I know, my kids are busy. Hockey, ringette, soccer, baseball. They gotta go here, they gotta go there. I respect that, but I'll tell you what, now I've got more time, I wanna spend it with my grandkids. I wanna teach them the importance of that. Our God is a mighty God. You struggling with something this morning? You need a touch from God? Do you need God to invade your life and say that sin that so easily entangles you, I got it. Step aside, Sean. You've tried to fix this. You cannot fix this. And God will take every one of us here this morning through an experience, and even people watching online, he'll take you through experiences where you realize, I can't do this. Mighty God can, and he wants to do it for you. 
he goes on, he says, I'm an eternal, everlasting father. Not by mistake, it puts in there eternal. In another version, it says everlasting father. So my father was horrible. The day after my 11th birthday, we came home. He met us at the door with a shotgun. He was drunk. He said, if you don't leave, I'm going to shoot you. My poor mother walked us outside. Three of us, two were in university at that time. She reached in her pocket. I still remember this day. She, it was $1.23 or $1.26. She pulled it out of her pocket and looked at it. It says, God, this is all I've got. You've got to look after my children. Do you know what? I believe at that moment God became my everlasting father. He heard the cry of my poor Catholic mother who didn't even really know how to pray but who cried out to God and said, God, I cannot help my children. Will you be their father? My friend Dave Phillips is a counselor down on the coast. He was up in Calgary visiting with his kids and they they went to Heritage Park. You know that big swing thing that goes flying around? Uh, Like I can't imagine people really enjoy that but... One of his sons decided he wanted to go on it. His name is Sean. Uh, poor kid. He gets, on the, he gets on the swing, and he's got a little, a little bit of social problems, but he decided to kick off his shoe to see how far it would go. So while that thing's going around 100 miles an hour or whatever it is, you know, he kicks off his shoe and it goes flying through there. Well, they stopped the ride, and they said, you know, Sean, you can't do this. You might hit somebody. Okay, okay. He put back on his shoe, got on the swing, and he kicked it off again. And bless him, there was a mother pushing a little baby carriage, and he hit them. Boom. And uh, they stopped the ride, pulled him off. Dave was watching from afar. Thankfully, his wife, was Adele, was there. He's going, oh, this is a mother's job, not mine. He said, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. God's not embarrassed by you. I have sinned so much in my life. God still says, I love you. There's nothing you can do today to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do today to make God love you less. God says, I don't care who you are. If you've invited Jesus into into your life this morning, I am your everlasting Father. I won't deny you. I won't reject you. I won't stand in the back while you've done something wrong. I'll say, I'll claim you. Do you need to know an everlasting father this morning? Do you need to know that God really does love you and care for you? He wants to be that kind of father to you today. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says, I'm your everlasting father. And then he says, I'm the prince of peace. Do you know, when I was in uh, southern Iran, in a place called Zahedan, which is where Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Iran come together, there was, uh, I was down there with a couple of my Iranian friends, and uh, there was three Irish journalists, and they said, hey, why don't we rent a minibus and see how far we can drive in Afghanistan before we get stopped? Oh, okay. <laughs> They probably had so many bushmills the night before. Uh, but I used to say, oh, okay, I'm, you know. I, you know, I look at the things I did when I was younger. 
you know, like step off a curb with your cell phone, you'd bounce right back up. Nah, not so, not so easy anymore. Uh, I probably wouldn't do these things. But I said, sure, well, why not? So we got this little minivan, and we decided to drive in Afghanistan. We made it about 20, 40 kilometers inside Afghanistan. And this, uh, the Taliban stopped us. And in walk a couple of these guys, and they got, you know, the turbans on and the robes and everything, and their AK-47s. They, I'm sitting in the back. They walk up to the first Irish journalist, stick the gun in her chest, and says, are you an American? Which I always find funny. Because when you've got an AK-47 in your, in your chest, and you're an American, you're probably going to go, I'm Canadian. <laughs> she says, no, no, I'm Irish. She says, passport. She pulls out her passport. He looks at it, so does it to the next Irish journalist, comes back, the next one comes back to me in the back, sticks his gun in my chest and says, are you an American? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm Canadian. He said, give me your passport. Well, I'm also British. I was born in England. And I've realized a long time ago when I've traveled in a war zone, which has been a lot of war zones, I never put my passports in my backpack because I, I, you know, motorcyclists can drive by and they can grab your backpack and rip it off and they can take off and I can lose my money, I can lose a lot of things, but I don't want to lose my passports. You know, it's like if you've ever lost your wallet, you know, for, the money is irrelevant. It's all that information that's important to you. So what I do, instead of putting passports in my backpack, I put them in my socks. Yeah, so I've got my Canadian passport in one sock, my British passport in another sock. Well, there's two groups that the Taliban hated, the American CIA and the British SAS. And he says, give me your Canadian passport. I'm going, which sock is it in? I always say, well, you know, when you go into a church, I always, most of the time I go to the right because sheep go to the right, you know. So I, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, like Prince of Peace. I reach in and I, I pull out my, the Canadian passport under my right sock. And he looks at it, he goes, okay, okay. I'm thinking, oh, thank God. But then he keeps the AK-47 in my shirt. And I always wear, you know, the desert, it, it can get warm, but it can get cold. So you all, you know, I wear an overshirt from Mountain Equipment Co-op and a shirt underneath. And I happen to have my Vancouver Canucks t-shirt underneath. And he's pushing the buttons aside in my overshirt, looking because he can see the colors. And I'm thinking, he wants my shirt. Hey, listen, if a Taliban's got an AK-47 in your chest, if he wants your shirt, you give him your underwear. You give him anything he wants. Anything he wants, you just say, okay, it's yours. So I take off my shirt, take off my Vancouver country. He puts it on over his robes, and he's walking around showing everybody. I'm thinking, oh, if only there was a satellite flying over. They got a picture of this Taliban guy with my Vancouver Canucks shirt on. I wrote the Canucks when I got home. said, listen, if you ever do see this, I just want you to know where it came from. They sent me a new shirt. <laughs> and I just say, yeah, there's Vancouver Canuck fans in the, amongst the Taliban. But peace. Peace. I shared with you in January when I spoke last about my wife passing away. You know, you, you crave peace. I should know better. I should know, I hope I get over it. I hope next time I come I don't reflect on these things. But God says I want to bring you peace. And can I say this? 
The UN can spend billions of dollars. NATO can spend billions of dollars on negotiations with Russia to try and bring about peace in Ukraine. But I'll tell you this morning, friends, peace will never be a contract. It'll never be a negotiation. Because peace is not a process. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. You in darkness this morning? Do you feel disgraced? Do you feel beaten up? God wants to be for you a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal, everlasting Father. And he wants to bring peace to your life. The worship band's gonna come up and sing. But I'm gonna just ask you, by way of response, Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're burdened this morning with these things, and you need God to touch your life, maybe you've never even surrendered your life to Christ. You can do that this morning. But if you're here and you're trying to honor God, And you just feel, God, my life is just so mixed up right now. Will you do these things for me? I want to pray for you. But sometimes it's just good for you to acknowledge that you need it. I remember the night I came forward to give my life to Christ. I was shaking so bad under conviction. I was trembling. The guy said, I want you, if you want to receive Jesus, look up. He said, I can't see you. Put your hand up. He said, I still can't see you. Stand up. He said, I still can't see you. Come forward. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you need a touch from God this morning, just lift up your hand. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Just lift it up and put a thank you. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, for these that just need your touch, to experience you in a deeper and richer way, oh God, reach down into their lives. Whatever the darkness they face, whatever the trials that they face, They feel beaten up, rejected, disgraced. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, because you are these wonderful things to us this morning, would you take away that which they fear and replace it by your goodness and your grace in all these beautiful names for our Savior? Do these things, we pray, Father, for the honor and the glory of your Son, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. So we give you the honor and glory for what you do in our hearts and lives today. We pray so often, God, make us more like Jesus. Please, 
being the author and the finisher of our faith, do these things in our lives today that we might be more like your son Jesus because we commit ourselves to you in his wonderful name. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this sermon. We hope you found it connected you to the God of truth and love who we worship and serve at Bethany Chapel. If you have any questions or want to connect to any of our pastors, please go to our Bethany Chapel app and choose Connect or go online to bethanychapel.com and click Come. Thanks again and God bless you.